So here's a pop quiz to all our listeners. How old is Malaysia today? Now, think about your answer in your head and we'll come back and give you the answer later. But before we start today's podcast, we actually want to play a song to you and it's called Malaysia Forever. wondering what the heck is that song <laughs> and you know this song is called Malaysia Forever and it was the unofficial national song for Malaysia for at least two years this is what Tunku Abdul Rahman said when the song was performed and he said it gives me great pleasure to be able to express my appreciation to the composer of Malaysia Forever and the Marymount Vocational School Choir from Singapore and this is what he says Malaysia Forever has been written at a time when the peoples of Malaya, Sarawak, North Borneo, Brunei and Singapore are about to be forged into the Malaysian nation. So I imagine probably around 61, 62 because Brunei was still in consideration. And he further added, the lyrics of the song aptly identify the spirit of the peoples of this territory to work and live together in peace and in unity. What a great way for Tunku Adorman to say that and You know, when you hear this kind of statement, isn't that what Malaysia is supposed to be? So once again, welcome to the show. And today we have a panel of guests. So we have David Tian. Hello, everyone. I'm David Tian. Yeah, so David came to our show before. Of course, we have Lyra, our producer. Hi, great to be back. And we have Tina. Hi, I'm Tina. And we want to talk about Malaysia Day. We want to talk about Merdeka. And you know, we have... I think different age group, right? You know, we have people who are 20s, 30s, 40s. And then, of course, we have West Malaysians. We have East Malaysian. Now, let, let's come back to the pop quiz. How old is Malaysia today? So, so Tina, you were like wondering, right? So, so if I ask you now, what would you say? Should I be 64, 65? Yeah, so 64, 65. Yeah. So, so how do you count it? 1957. 1957. So, so <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a typical <laughs> response, right? Yeah. So, so what about Lyra? What, what say you? 59. 59, why? Because I'm a Sarawakian. <laughs> no, yeah, no, Sarawakian. Uh, because Sarawak only joined Malaysia and mm. Sabah only joined Malaysia 1963. Yeah, so I guess the formation of Malaysia and Malaya are not the same. So we're not saying that 31st of August, the independence of Malaya is not important. But what we're saying is that the forging of a new nation should be on 16th of September, 1963. But Lyra, you did a bit of research on the whole Malaysia Day, right? Maybe you would like to share to, to our listeners? Yep. So let's go back to the song just now, the Malaysia Forever, which is actually an unofficial national anthem, which was very much celebrated. And it was very much played on 31st of August for at least two years. Because leading up to the formation of Malaysia, So there is actually a lot of sentiment where people are just joyously celebrating. But did you know that as soon as Singapore left Malaysia, that song was being phased out completely? So we wonder why on the 16th of September. Now, Lyra, you mentioned that it was 
unofficial national, national song and it was played during national celebration. Yes, and national celebration is actually being celebrated at the very beginning on 31st of August every year. So is it fair to say that the intention of all the parties really was to celebrate the formation of Malaysia actually on 31st of August? Yep, and as I dig back in the history, only then I realized and remembered that we were actually being taught about this part of history back in secondary school, where initially the plan for the formation of the Federation to be on the 1st of June 1963. But then it was actually being postponed to coincide with Merdeka Day, 31st of August. But because President Sukarno of Indonesia, he was just opposing the Malaysia plan, it was being further delayed. Only then Tunku Adraman actually, because at the request of United Nations, he agreed to postpone it to 16 September 1963. Which incidentally was the birthday of Lee Kuan Yew. <laughs> I, I think like we were just discussing, not oh, many yeah. people know this fact, no, right? No. But it's very interesting they would choose such a date. So you mentioned the first two years still celebrate on 31st of August. Then of course, after Singapore left, there's really no desire, I guess, to even mention the 16th of September. Because remember, Sarawak wanted to leave also. Mm. Stephen Kaolong Ningang mm. wanted to leave. Yeah. But anyway, we'll come back to that. Now, now I want to talk about Malaysia Day today because it has become a public holiday. And now, now Tina, let's start with you because we are from the 70s, okay? Yes. Born in the 70s. Yeah. So in the school, 16th of September, it's like... It's, Anand, yeah. It has no meaning, right? Exactly. It's In like, fact, what? I didn't knew it existed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But re- only recently, right? Yes. And, and I, I remember when I heard about it, like what you say, it's 12 years ago. Yep. It became public holiday. 2010. Under, And the Prime Minister Najib, 2010, I think I just kind of returned to Sarawak, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, Tina during our time, not mentioned. What, what about Lyra during your your time in school? It's also after your schooling, right? Yeah, it was. It was after the secondary school. Only then, when it became a public holiday, we were like, okay, great. <laughs> we, we, we don't mind that, and, <laughs> and and that's way before. Now, 2010 was that was Adenan already Chief Minister? Not yet. No, so it, it was even before the, the independence movement in Sarawak started, I guess. But 2010, of course, some of you may may or may not remember was we have the major by election in Cebu, mm. and Najib came and say, "You help me, I help, I help you. you." So uh. I guess he must have sensed something in, in terms of, mm. hey, may, maybe these people are not going to be my fixed deposit forever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so for us, it's not. But, but what about David? When were you when when this happened? When I first heard of the 16th of September is during my primary school okay. years. So yes, of course I don't mind another public holiday. Mm. Deep down inside me, there's a Sarawakian spirit. Yeah, <laughs> kind yeah. of I'm like, okay, we are form a federation. The national days is not national days itself. So I'm like, okay, maybe it's the right day for for we to celebrate. So, so that means from your point of view, 16th of September kind of validates Sarawak's existence. Because we are celebrating, hey, the the whole formation of a new nation and not just focusing on Malaya. Yeah, and I realized that after so many years, that after the formation of the public holiday of 16th of September, and we realized that oh, we have been sidelined for so many years, mm-hmm. and finally you remember us. Maybe this kind of, I think many Sarawakians will think like this. Like, okay, for so many years you forget us, and finally you. Think back of us because of political benefits. Okay, I don't mind, but I 
I feel not good. So, so it's, it's interesting that in recent time, especially since Pakatan took over as federal government 2018, remember they were doing Malaysian agreement commissions. And just recently, the commission still exists. I didn't even know they were still meeting. So mm. Prime Minister Sabri heads the commission and they were just talking about, hey, we need to maybe give more parliamentary seat to Sabah and Sarawak up to 35%. And I think someone even said, it's not the Prime Minister himself, but some of the lower rank committee member and say, well, when Singapore left, their seats should go to East Malaysia. So that's the whole thing. And now let me just ask everyone and you all can give your feedback on this. Do you think the MA63 commission is just for show to let people know, hey, maybe we're caring for Sarawak and Sabah, but hey, in reality, we are not going to give federal power back to you. Or do you think there is a genuine move towards power sharing? Because from a political point of view, whoever forms the party, the dominant party in West Malaysia will have no choice but to work with East Malaysian party if they want to form government. I think we're at that kind of stage. So what do you think? Is a bit of both or is this just still Wayang Kulik? For me, it's like they want to show their sincerity for Sarawak and for Sabahans. They're forced to do that because it's used to be like, I don't care about Sarawak mm-hmm. and Sabah. And after so many years of, we say, democracy, and finally they, they realize that maybe one day Sarawak parties don't want to work with us. <laughs> yeah. and maybe we need to care about them but if we look at the perspective of self-pityness, but I don't think it's just a show. They do have some commitment better than before. So until right now, our country situation, we cannot say all the, uh, the meetings are only just for show because this year we see so many anti-hoping law, the political funding that they are discussing right now. Yeah, yeah. It's like crazy. If we see in the eye of like 10 years ago, it's impossible. Yeah, yeah, to, to allow a political funding law, it, it's like, hey, you know, like Barisan National has been big brother for so long. Why do I need, I don't need any kind of accountability. So it seems like, yeah, I mean, I agree with you that Prime Minister Sabri maybe have, maybe it's the MOU, maybe it's just him trying to leverage his position in UMNO, but regardless, there, there are some seeds of reformation if you if you like to use that word uh, yeah yeah well, Lyra what, what about you what, what, what say you uh, I do agree with David as well that I believe it probably is a little bit of political means mm-hmm. but there is some sort of genuine intent to just foster the one Malaysia spirit because that's where this whole theme of Malaysia there is being brought about so at 2008 actually the Barisan National suffered major loss that's the yep. first time that they actually lost majority And then because of that, I thought it was very, very wise. I mean, you do have to give credit where credit is due. So UMNO, they really just push out this whole agenda of fostering One Malaysia spirit. So that's where you begin to see that there is that sort of connection. So maybe there was that sort of grassroots or some some sort of seeds of reformation that was being planted even back then that the whole government is trying to restore right now. So it's like, yes, maybe the whole nation has been suffering a lot of lost hope, a lot of hope deferred, but from this point onwards, how do we begin to foster a new Malaysia? I think that is probably the main reason, I hope that would be the main reason why the whole MA63 committee is being formed. Before I get to Tina, I just want to mention one point, which is, now a lot of people say when Pakatan was in power and then they lost the power in Sheraton move, etc. And people are saying, why GPS doesn't side with Pakatan? You know, isn't it better for them? But when you think about what GPS is doing, it's really 
for their self-preservation. But when you look from the Sarawak point of view, they are also doing it because they feel it will give them more leverage in terms of independence. Because unfortunately, the Pakatan was not really that open in terms of giving more autonomy and things like that. Mm. And that's unfortunate because I, I felt like Pakatan missed a golden opportunity. They, they could have just said, look, you, you can have great autonomy and, and then you become our partners instead of being under us. So I just felt like a, a missed opportunity. And today I look back, I, I don't think they are wrong in a sense to reject Pakatan because Pakatan <laughs> couldn't give them the guarantee that they needed. Okay, coming back to Tina. Now. Tina, you, you mentioned something real interesting because Tina, you are from West Malaysia, but yeah. now you have assignments in Sarawak, yes. in Kuching. Yes. And, and tell us what you have been seeing because you have been there many times in recent, yeah. recent months. So just share a bit about what you see in Sarawak, the, the feeling, the nationalistic feeling. Yeah. I mean, having spoken to locals in Sarawak, in Kuching, I really find that they have such a greater sense of identity with their state as Sarawakians and that strikes me because it precedes as West Malaysians we seem to have that lack of like pride in being orang slang or, or, yeah. or, or, or I'm from Semenanjung orang KL orang KL <laughs> <laughs> uh, whereas you know when, when you speak to a local in, in, in Kuching it's like yeah I'm a Sarawakian you know and this comes first you know I think about I, I mean someone actually told me yeah, I think about my state my what it is what benefits Sarawak I was like I was really quite struck I was like wow I can't remember where I thought what would benefit Samanajung from that perspective and I was like huh how is it that we are lacking in West Malaysia that the identity you know mm -hmm. that we would relate to our nation that way with such nationalistic mind now Lyra and David let me ask you this because you both are from Sarawak do you think that comes from the the pro-independence movement. Of course, the technical term actually used by one of the professors from Singapore National University, he used the word self-determination, which I think is a much better word because self-determination doesn't mean I need to be a separate nation, but I need to be in charge of the key elements of the state. So that's why you, you see some political parties, they are more in, in Sarawak, they are advocating regionalism. We, we don't need to leave Malaysia, but we could be a confederation not the street federal dominated federation so i think there is that attraction but let me just ask you you, you know what tina has just described that that sense of pride for the land identity do you think it starts off because of what adenan the former chief minister did you know now of course before adenan there's already s for s Sarawak for Sarawakian. Sarawak for uh. Sarawakian, S for S, okay. Of course, we, we know S for S, you know, that the history is a bit hazy, but it's probably funded by political party. But regardless, do you think it starts from there or is maybe something even earlier? For me, it's like, if you study the history, after Singapore quit Malaysia, the left group, Sarawak went to left group also. So maybe I think, during that time, the Sarawakians, they want to fight for like independence. Yes, they are. And the emergency come and Sivan Kanon Ningkan sected or whatever. Yeah. So I think the national pride or Sarawakians nationalism comes from there. Yeah. But the interesting point is, we, we need to ask a question. It's like, is Sivan Kanon Ningkan the one, only, only him or his, his group of people think about that or whole Sarawakians think about that? And I have a question. The nationalism of Sarawakians in the 60s and now, maybe there are the difference because we have changed so so much. We found oil 
oil and gas in the 70s and we realized the potential of Sarawak so much after 70s. Mm-hmm. Mostly if we ask Sarawakians why they want Sarawak, maybe the independence guy, they want Sarawak to be independent because they feel pity. They are satisfied because of the oil and gas used by Samananjong. Most of the common answer of them is this. What about the nationalism thing? I think there's still a ground, there's still a soil to nurture this kind of ideology there, but there's a slightly change. But at the end, I think most Sarawakians still think like that. Uh, Sarawakians want come first kind of idea. Now, now, Lara, before you say, I I was just looking at one of the episodes we did in season two, and we talked about this briefly. But let me just give a quote, and this is made by SUPP founder and chairman Ong Ki Hui on 9 of August 1965, the day Singapore officially separated from Malaysia. And you know, at that time, SUPP and the Native Coalition, they were very, very close. It's almost 50-50. This is what he said, quote, we have the feeling that Malaysia will only succeed if we have a truly Malaysian Malaysia, where every Malaysian will have his rightful place under the sun. Now that Singapore is out of Malaysia, what then is the justification for its existence? After all, the London Agreement, which is the basis for the formation of Malaysia, is a negotiated agreement not only between Malaya and Singapore, but a negotiated agreement between all states, Malaya, Singapore, Sabah and Sarawak. Have we no right to be consulted? After all, the future of self-territories, which were colonial territories, must be decided, and this is the word he used, by self-determination. Interesting. Ong Ki Hui said this. And in this case, it is arguable whether in the first place the people agree wholeheartedly to the arrangement. I would therefore urge the government to think seriously of the step which is now taken by starting what the Honourable Member has very correctly stated to be the beginning of the process of disintegration of Malaysia. End of quote. Well, I mean, that is just so <laughs> profound when you listen to it again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought it was just very interesting because David was just talking about the overall sentiment. So, but we can't really talk about the overall sentiment without first going back to the formation of Malaysia. Mm-hmm. So even back when Lord Cobot was being commissioned by the Prime Minister of the UK to just come here and do a bit of inquiry into North Borneo sentiment as well as Sarawakian sentiment, just to see how well do they perceive the whole Malaysia plan. Mm-hmm. And you can't help but just think, because even back then, this seed for, Sarawak, for Sarawakians have been deposited even back then, before the formation of Malaysia, because there were a group of political parties that just kept arguing that Sabah and Sarawak should have been granted independence first. Mm-hmm. Then we decide if we want to join in. So maybe there was that sort of sentiment that has been just suppressed over the years by federal government, but then subsequently been resurfaced again. Yeah, technically that was the process, you know, like, like Sarawak will be 22nd of July, right? But it's almost like the British forced them to be like, okay, we'll give you independence, but only for you to join Malaysia. So there's a bit of co- coercion there. But when you look at, even from Sarawak point of view, even Stephen Kalonengan said that, so David was mentioning what was the real sentiments. And of course we know over the years, because of Singapore leaving, then May 13, a lot of things have been suppressed and it's coming out now. So, you know, Sarawak for Sarawakians, self-determination, these are not new concepts, you know, these are concepts already there. So it's no wonder that, Tina, like you, you went to Sarawak and you mm. see people, 
maybe is it fair to say that that has always been the bloodline of the land perhaps is being perhaps. fanned aflame perhaps because I mean the people I talked to weren't that old I mean they were in their 30s and if they still have this I can imagine that it runs through for the younger generation uh, David let me ask yeah. you a question because you are oh, yeah. the youngest here and yeah. so, so this desire for self-determination it of course a whole range okay from from independence hard independence soft independence referendum regionalism stay in malaysia status quo so so it's like there's a wide spectrum maybe you can share a bit what, what do you think is the sentiment of the younger generation i'm talking for yourself mid-20s and younger what, what are their sentiment when they talk about this I do celebrate the national days, the original national days. 31st like August. 31st August. Yeah, we all celebrate, right? We, we primary don't mind school, <laughs> In primary school, I look at the life in TV1 and TV2. <laughs> I feel so patriot, become a Malaysian. I see yeah. the, the people there in the television. I, I want to pakai the bandera. <laughs> I want to yeah, set out the bandera in my house. After like in my middle school, Suddenly, Sarawak for Sarawakians, the movement there. Uh, after Adenan in power, the sentiment becomes stronger and stronger. So I think there's a huge change of narrative and identity during that time, during my primary school and after my middle school. So there's a huge change. For me, around me, many of my friends, they are not interested in politics. Okay. But when you say about Sarawakians, we need to protect ourselves. We need to take back our oil <laughs> and gas. They are like, yes, of course, we need to do that. Sarawak people need to care about ourselves. But if you talk to them, we need to vote what is voting. So they have a stronger, stronger identity of Sarawakians. But if you ask the spectrum of hard independence, there are a few friends of mine, they want to fight for that. They really want to fight for that. I think mostly the people, they are like, we need to, Sarawakians need to care about ourselves. But at the end, if you ask to leave Malaysia, maybe not because it's so complicated. I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting you say this because I want to ask you all, you know, what are the sentiments that you are picking out? Because just the other day I was reading the news. Uh, of course, the party that contested in the last state election that really pushed for hard independence is PBK, right? Mm. And the other day, PBK sort of have a news conference and say in the coming general election, they're going to work with PSP. Wong Sun Ko, PSB, which is more regionalism. So regionalism means they don't want to leave Malaysia, but we want a lot of self-determination. Political move kind of fluctuate all the time. But from a practical point of view, I mean, personally, I think it is difficult for hard independence for, for many reasons. What's the sentiment? You know, so, so David just mentioned, like, most of them have no idea even hard and soft. Eh? <laughs> what, what's the difference? But what about Lyra and even Tina, you know, your encounter with Sabah, Sarawakian, what's the sentiment that you pick? You know? They say, yeah, we, we want the right. But then practically, what kind of right? You want a different passport? <laughs> you, know, you want to go to Singapore and you need visa? Oh, yeah. As it is, there is some immigration <laughs> yeah. to, to, yeah, uh, to yeah. go through. But we go to Singapore, we, we, it's still visa-free. Yeah, visa mm. But it's like, you imagine you have to apply for that. Yeah. Oh, it, it's no. like yeah. just unthinkable, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so what, what's the sentiment? I mean, it seems that when it comes to the point of, yes, uh, Sabah and Sarawak, we want the autonomy, we want to get back. What, but it still stems from, I think, because they have this rejection thing and they feel that they have lost so much, you yep. know. But in actual fact, whether they really want... Uh, there's a few people I've spoken to, they seem to also have this sense of disillusionment, yep. like, oh, Ma West Malaysia, Federal will never... It is so tough, the fight that, mm. you know, is it even worthwhile to do it? But at the same time, you know, 
the the whole thing that plays that in their minds like we lost so much, you know, we so much was stolen from us, and that is what they they seem to be passionate about, you know, there's so much stolen from us. So let's work internally about what we can get back. But the discussion never goes like, okay, how how can we impact federal government or yeah. you know change their minds? Some has expressed because I think things will never change. Yeah, Tina, you pick up yeah. something quite interesting because you mentioned the victim mindset. So yeah. do, do you think that's out from the trauma, the the pains, and so they are more reacting negatively than having a constructive? I mean, imagine that being recognized as Malaysia only ten years ago. It's really, to me, it doesn't feel sincere at all. I mean, after all these years, only to recognize so late after the fact. So, honestly, when I talk to people, it just seems they just want to get back what they lost. Mm -hmm. I don't care how it's done. But do they even know what they lost? And yeah, right now, yeah. yeah. It's the petrol. <laughs> it's the petrol. Yeah, yeah so, so they talk about petrol, but, but what exactly did, did they, did they yeah. lose? So, 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 of course, I know, especially from the hard independence camp, they are very technical, you know, in terms of yeah. research and things like that. But the ordinary day, Sarawakian, you talk to them, they, yeah. they just don't really appreciate the technicality. Yeah. Now, before Lyra comes with your take, I just want to mention that if you are all interested in this discussion, in fact, in season two, we have quite a few episodes yeah. uh, on Sarawak, the differences, the autonomy, when the classification was changed to state. We even have one episode where we explore, is it ever possible for a new nation to be independent? Of course it is, mm -hmm. but those discussions and more are in season two of this show if you are interested. Mm -hmm. Okay, with that, let's come back to Lyra. So, so what's your take on all this? Well, what I'd observe is that there were more talks about mm -hmm. hard independence over the years, but I felt to a certain degree based on the voting pattern, it looks a little bit like more talk than action mm -hmm. on Sarawakian part. So I really can't help but to agree with what Tina has mentioned, especially concerning the victimhood. I mean, having stayed in West Malaysia for quite a number of years, that is the very thing that I kind of like thought of. I mean, it does saddens me a little bit to just think about how the people have been conditioned to just having to live through systemic poverty where they are just expecting handouts from the government. So if Sarawak really wants to pursue, and even maybe Sabah as well, if they really want to pursue the path of self-determination and even going straight into hard independence, I think we really do need to ask people, are they willing to take out more responsibility? I mean, yep. so that is the part that I do really have to just urge the people to consider because you can't just want a more, I mean, like Spider-Man, right? <laughs> more power. <laughs> yes, <laughs> more power, more responsibility. So you can't help but think about that. It's like, are you willing to shoulder more responsibility? Like what David was saying just now, even with voting, if you already think voting is such a tedious matter, yeah. what more about true self-governance? Yes. So, I mean, we can't really just move away from this whole thing. But I do want to highlight the point where Lord Cobalt actually mentioned mm -hmm. towards the end of the whole inquiry. And he just made this conclusion that there should be afforded a right for self-government within Malaysia. Yep. But that was just so conveniently been missed out in our history book. And we never knew about this whole part. So it's very interesting because, you, you know, every time we talk about the main points, Malaysia Agreement, nobody actually have seen Malaysia Agreement. And Cobalt Report, nobody actually have read the report. So through the research, all of a sudden you realise, hey, the rights, the discussion about possible cessation, possible self-determination was there from the beginning. 
And it just kind of reminds me of the formations of America because remember, we, we talk about America and Malaysia, very similar in the sense we are both rainbow nations, a lot of migrants. United States, of course, they have the original colonies and they, they sign a pact. So it's not easy for those colonies to leave because they signed and basically during civil war when Virginia wanted to leave, they, they needed a constitutional amendment. That's why Lincoln said, you couldn't get it, it's illegal for you to leave. You can't just declare. But then subsequent states like Florida, like Louisiana, like Texas, like California, they have expressed clause in their constitution to leave. It's interesting, Texas, mm. California especially, and, and nowadays you, you hear these two states, once in a while they'll say, we want to succeed. Mm. And nobody could stop them. So it's almost like the original colonies, you can compare them maybe to the states of Malaya. They, they signed that pact in 57, so they can't, Johor can't just say we want to leave. Mm. Slango just can't say they want to leave. But Sabah, Sarawak, Singapore are different category because you signed a contract. And that's what Ong Kim Sui said, right? We had to go back there. If one party left already, what's the point? See, the, the whole thing is they were not allowed to even discuss about this. And, and we don't know what happened from there. But eventually, SUPP was persuaded to join federal government in the 70s. Yeah. SUPP, the great opposition, become... Establishment. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I want to use the word laptop. Okay, but before we go into this point, I just did a quick search on the 2021 state election, okay? So what? So 746 votes were kind of put in and the party that supported independence, uh, there are two, right? PBK and another one is... Aspiracy. Aspiracy. Okay, sorry, they, they changed their name to Aspiracy. So Aspiracy, they, they are not for hard independence, but they wanted referendum. So PBK get 40,000 votes. Aspiracy get 2,500. So I think Lyra, this just reinforce your point of view. There is no political desire, I'll say. I mean, is, is that fair to say? Mm. Just, just for the vote. Okay, wait, we're yeah, not yeah. talking about, I mean, you can say the coffee shop seems <laughs> to indicate a different <laughs> sentiment. <laughs> but here's the hard evidence, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And so, I, I mean, it's okay. For me, it's okay to discuss and it's a progress, but I think people don't realize how hard it is to be independent, how hard it is to, to even start a company. You know, to start a new nation is just crazy, right? But would it be fair to say that it probably stemmed from victimhood sort of mindset? Yeah, definitely. Like, like what Tina was saying, I, I wholly agree with that. So, so every time we talk about this and they were like, our oh, petrol money, our oh, petrol money. Yeah. It's like, how much petrol money? And, and it's like, <laughs> the government, that's another wrong understanding. It's that the government doesn't take the petrol money. The petrol you need development, you need marketing, you need research. So you have private entities like Shell, all these things. Even Petronas is, you know, I mean, it's a national company, but it's basically a private enterprise. Mm. So when they have the profit, they give, you know, they pay tax mm. and that's how you get royalty. So it's not like you get the full deep out of it, you know. Mm. So, so people get the wrong impression mm. as though it's unlimited mm. kind of funding. Mm. We, we talk about responsibility, I mean, if we have local election now, you know, yeah. people will be moaning another time I need to go and vote. <laughs> Those of us in, in West Malaysia, we do we have to fly back? Yeah. Mm. Can you imagine if you if you need to vote for the AG, you need to vote for district attorney. Every time you go back and vote, <laughs> so who can afford this kind of mm. time and money? Mm. Yeah. So it's easy to say at one participation, but when they say please show up, nobody mm. wants to go. I mean yeah. it reminds me of condo living, right? A lot of you a lot of us are in living in condo. There's management, management, right? So every time there's AGM, let's come and discuss how to do all these things. Then you have a few hundred residents, usually less than 20 short. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. recently my condo just had that um, first AGM ever. <laughs> yeah. And to form a quorum, you need 100 over people. Mm-hmm. But guess what? By, by the time we were supposed to start, and even with additional half an hour given, only like 20 over wow. that showed wow. up. And that yeah. 20 over wow. will just form the quorum. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and, and fortunately, they still have a rule to say that wait for a while and then if no problem, the, yeah. the meeting will continue. Yeah. Mm. Now, it's very interesting to hear all of you. Now, Now we want to, I mean, just like that, it's 35 minutes already, but I, I want to kind of finish with, with, with this point because 31st of August, 16th of September, I mean, we are all here. We, we have very balanced view. We celebrate. We, we understand that without Malaya first, achieving independence, there's no Malaysia. We, we, we recognize yes. that. So we recognize that the fight for that, the struggle for that, try to fight the communists, had to fight Indonesia. <laughs> and, but here's the thing, that the sentiment that comes from East Malaysia now, and the word they used to be, we have been exploited by Malaya. And they don't even want to use the word West Malaysia. They, they, they will just, Malaya. it's kind of, mm. the tone is very much like an accusation. But here's the thing I want to end with and I want your take is 70s, 80s, the political party that work with Barisan National, GPS, they are Sarawakian. Mm. Adenan was a federal minister when Petronas Act came about. Yeah. Naik Mamu was federal minister. Ong King Sui was federal minister. Isn't it the Sarawakian who sold our own state out? How can they keep blaming Malaya? Now, I'm not <laughs> saying this as a matter of concrete opinion, I'm just putting this and I, I want your, your take and feedback on this because they, they have been saying this for a long time. But then when you look at when Sabah and Sarawak was reduced to the category of state, of course, recently being restored, all but one or two of Sabah Sarawak member of parliament voted for that. And they were interviewing some very old already. And that guy was like, I, I can't remember. <laughs> okay, so g- give me your take. Okay, let, let's start with David first. For me, it's like we. <laughs> I do discuss this issue with my friends because as a Sarawakian's uh, interest in politics, this is the hot topic you must discuss. Mm-hmm. Majorly, there's a two camp. Of course, the Sarawakian sell, Sarawakian out. But now we need to fight back. Mm-hmm. Uh, we as a Sarawakian, we can fight back. And another camp is, yes, we as a Sarawakian, yes, we recognize that. But we cannot blend anything to Malaya. I'm more cling to this kind of camp because at the end, if we look like identity, it's very important, but it's not that much important that above all things. Just now you have mentioned that Sarawakian are sold by the Sarawakian, the federal minister. So at the end, we can see that most of the thing is the gaming of politics and why we see so many fanatic of Sarawak nationalism there. Maybe because we can guess they want to gain back the political benefit back mm-hmm. because it's like Sarawakian is so traumatized. I want to state that it's not Sarawakian nationalism is bad. It's like what's extent we want to go to? What is the final goal we want to yep, go to? Yep. What, what is the national pride we have to achieve for? So at the end, I think I'm probably in uh, Sarawakian, but at the end, we need to solve the real problem. It's the real problem is the corruption is still there. You, mm-hmm. If we look among the states of Malaysia, Sarawak is one of the most serious states <laughs> to have corruption. Imagine the Najib it's, case. It's legalized corruption. Yeah, and imagine the Najib case. Uh, it's happened everywhere in Sarawak and yeah. no one noticed and they are, we, are, we feel so normal about that. It's unimaginable for me and no one talk about that. 
if we like let Sarakin rule ourselves, we can let corruption mm. happen. I don't think it's a right mindset or a healthy mindset. I yep. don't believe that. That's my opinion. Yeah, I think David, that's a really good take because the nationalism, the sense of pride, it has to lead us somewhere, you know. So it's like Hitler was very much proud of his race, but where does it lead? You know, it leads to world destruction. Now, interesting, you, you talk, talk about corruption because Sarawak, the voters have been given the same power, which is super majority to the government. Mm. And so much so that the corruption is actually legalized. Yeah. For the state government to give our land to a two ringgit company, thousands of acres is legal. Because yeah. the whole state assembly is their party, is GPS people. Nobody put a check and balance. Yeah. And, and so that's the thing. So yeah, I, I think those of us from Sarawak, we, we can appreciate that. Okay, so uh. Lyra, what's your take? Well, I think we have to go back to really just seeing our identity as a Malaysian first, rather than just being very proud of where you come from. Yes, I mean, of course, we do have to credit where we come from. I mean, the upbringing and everything else. But if we really want to forge a new way forward, I think everyone will just need to put aside all these differences, especially race-related. Because if you really go back to each state, I think there is that sort of mentality that just links back to race. So it's like, oh, I'm, I'm first like a Sarawak race. I'm, I'm more superior race. So do you think that the Sarawak nationalism is a bit like the, the racial pride? Yeah, I would think so. Mm -hmm. I think there is some sort of element like critical race okay. theory that has been unfortunately been manipulated yeah. and even even just being taken advantage by by unfortunately the state government. Because it's an emotional issue and it's so easy to stir emotion. Yeah, yeah so if you want to like just move forward and really just find a way to come to that place of self-determination, I think we just really have to put aside all these differences and come to a place where everyone can just reconcile all the differences and just begin to do a reconciliation of accounts. And even from like financial accounts. I mean, you talk about like, like what you were just saying just now. I thought it was just very interesting where you say, do they even know what things have been stolen? So maybe let's get to the account. So going back to all this account probably will just give people the right framework. It's like you can't make an executive decision making just based on hearsay. I think a lot of these sort of things are just hearsay. You say allegedly you have been victimized, but how much have you been victimized? Maybe if you compare the accounts between state government yep. victimizing the Sarawakian itself oh my. versus <laughs> federal government victimizing <laughs> Sarawakian, oh. I don't think one is lesser from the other. Yeah, yep, totally agree with you. And I like that you link the whole thing to, to the racial feeling because it's almost like, hey, we're Sarawakian, we deserve more rights. Recently, I just applied for new passports. And, and you know, when I put my old passport in, immediately they say, your passport is Sarawakian passport. Different status. Wow. So when my children apply passport for the first time, first time only, the passport needed to be sent to Kuching because they will get a Sarawak status. So it's almost like people want that status and their trauma came because they feel, hey, I, I'm not getting my full rights here. So it's almost like what you were saying, you know, they're not coming to say, what can I do for the country? What can I do for nation building? But this is my right. And I'm not happy because you took my rights away. So kind of remind me of what Kennedy say, right? You know, one of his most famous quote, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. And it's almost like, you know, listening to all of you, I, I feel like we had to come to a place where we can say, yes, this is my right. Yes, we have the MA63, but 50, 60 years have passed. 
what are we going to do about it? We, we cannot just kind of blame everyone and sue everyone, force people to pay compensation. It, that's why the critical race theory, they are talking about all the way back. Interesting that Queen Elizabeth passing, right? Some people are saying that she stole, the royal family stole the jewels and things like that. But it's a, hey, you know, especially for India, they say, but it doesn't belong to India. Among the states in India, they were fighting for that for thousands of years between Hindu and Muslim. And before that, I don't even know who were there. You know? So it's like, <laughs> you, you cannot go back all the way. Yeah, it's interesting that you, you give this take. Tina, what about you? You know, Tina, you are you are the, the only West Malaysian here. And what, what's your take? You know, even listening to us yet, we all kind of say we don't really like the tone. You know, the Malaya stole this, stole that because it is such a emotional, simplistic, yeah. almost witchcrafty kind of expression. But but what, what's your take on all this? I mean, I, I really like what Lyra said. I think moving forward, I remember there was a motto many years back in Malaysia, in Samananjung about Malaysian Malaysia. Mm. I mean, how much that caught on in Sarawak, in Sabah. But I think moving forward, if that sort of alignment with that statement, you know, even in Samananjung itself, <laughs> you know, in getting that really, that sort of thinking caught on, then it really be a good step forward to moving mm. forward, you know, of, of just sort of like not reliving the trauma, but to see, hey, what can we do to heal the nation? Actually, it's Lee Kuan Yew who, who kind of first <laughs> came out with the idea. <laughs> and, and yeah. So in fact, one of the tensions, even in year one of the Federation yeah. was because Lee Kuan Yew continued to push for that and mm. did not sit well with Tunku and other prominent Malaya leaders. So when they left, SUPP leader Ong King Sui also said the same thing. It's like, what happened to this now? Mm. Malaysia, Malaysia, it it's kind of reminds me of Trump's slogan, right? Make America <laughs> great, great again. again. Yeah. It, yep. it, it's like, hey, we're not thinking about our, our personal agenda and things like that, but yep. can we come together for something greater? You yep. know? And it's interesting when you examine even like Chinese civilizations, of course, the Confucius have a whole hierarchy of importance, but they, they always place great emphasis on nations yeah. first. Mm nation is like even more important mm. than family. Mm. So it's quite an interesting perspective. Okay, so wrapping up. <laughs> so I, I just thought like, um, I think we can't really end this whole thing without just bringing to this point where Sarawak actually do have a very established and even like Lord Cobalt and the gang, mm -hmm. they were very, very impressed that Sarawak has very established council agreed. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you talk about victimhood, you can't say that you are less superior than federal government, even back in the 60s, yep. when we were just about to form Malaysia. Given that we have a more sort of head start than what people were just being reduced to think that, oh, actually we are less superior. Mm -hmm. Sarawakians can't continue to point fingers at federal government yep, yep. anymore because you were given a system, you were being taught by the British officials how to set up this whole thing and then you basically just gave away your rights to your own state government through your voting. <laughs> so I think that is the sort of dismantling of victimhood and also mm. that critical mm. race theory that really yeah, just yeah. have to go mm. if we really don't want to see a way out. I mean, we don't talk about hard independence yet, but even just to get to the point of self-determination, you yep, do yep. have to come to that realization that actually you were not a victim at the very beginning. Mm. You never were. Yeah, that, that's very, very yeah. interesting. Mm. And I think it's really appropriate. But of course, can the people get it? You know, uh -huh. that, that, that's the challenge. Yeah. Maybe any, I, any last word? Yeah, I want to add on some point. Mm. Just now, Lyra mentioned about the victimized thing. Back to the first 
general election in Sarawak after we joined Malaysia Federation. Mm-hmm. Actually, we get the election suspended because of 513, mm. May 13. Actually, in Sabah, Sarawak, there's nothing happened there. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, we lost our election. So it is like reasonable for the people will feel victimized. It's like, I, I'm very happy to join the Federation and suddenly I, my vote disappear. Yep, yep. Be- and nothing happened there. And emergency come and suddenly mm. the nation becomes another thing. But at the end, we have to just just now Lyra and Tina have agreed that we have to move on. Yep. One thing I keep in mind is wh- what has happened during that that time, during the 60s. What is in the mind of Tunku Abdul Rahman, Stephen, Lee Kuan Yew? Because we look at the history, we always like look at what has happened. Yep. But during that time, they need to think what may happen. They need to make the decision there. We need to confront the communists. We mm-hmm. need to prevent China, red power, Sukhan war. And Sarawak, that times, yeah, we do have the established uh, system there. But if we look at the, we say, elites or the people there, it's like, you know James Massing? Mm-hmm. He is the first PhD of Iban tribe yep. in mm-hmm. the central part of Sarawak. So imagine there's we a lack of elites, with lack of people to national building. Imagine what if in 1963 independence, mm-hmm. maybe ten years after we Petronas discover the oil, and how can we do of it? We cannot use the now perspective to judge the history. Yep. Yeah. So I believe that although we have so many problems in Sarawak or in we can say Malaya or Malaysia, mm-hmm. but at the end, as long as Sarawak is a part of Malaysia. How can we make this Malaysia better? Mm-hmm. Like just now, Maga, make Malaysia great again. Although maybe we never be great, <laughs> but we can we can dream about that. We can nationalism or self determination. I think the politics is not about politics only. The national building is not about politics only. Mm-hmm. At the end, it's all about like economics, our livelihood, mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. rights, all things. So we cannot highlight one thing and yep. avoid another. Mm-hmm. That is not 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 healthy actually. Yeah, I, I'm glad you say this because like in, the, in this show, we, we say a few times already that at the end of the day, people just want to have the opportunity to make a livelihood, to be happy, to be, to be given a space, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, the, the oh. basic fundamentals that we want. And I think it was the last episode or, or even the episode on Najib, I think Lyra and I were discussing. And we're just saying that, look, if, even you look at May 13, it's really a, a political hack job, you know. It, it, it's like the federal government losing a, a bill of elections and, and suddenly they needed to create a crisis. So that's Marxist operation, you know. So so it's the same, you know, with, with, with Singapore leaving and then later on, we need to control the people. We just need to make, ensure that they remain just useful idiots. So, so a, a lot of education, a lot of discussion, a lot of teaching, uh, but one of the way I think moving forward, we, we need to to not allow the political establishment control the narrative, and and that's going to require people to be proactive to to learn about history. And you mentioned about history, you know, and even from 1964 to 70s, they, there are just so many gaps that are not really recorded. You know what was Stephen Kalundingan's thoughts? You know he wanted a referendum. Hmm. They they discussed that in the state assembly, but how come? No action. We really don't know what happened. So there, there were a lot of gaps. Or, or maybe the history has been amended. Mm. Oh, I mean, wow. Yeah, yeah. Hantua has been edited <laughs> yes. out. <laughs> yes. So, but of course, we, we, if internet is harder and harder to fully censor people. Mm. But in recent time, you look at how the big tech 
have censored certain news, mm. you know, the Joe Biden, mm. Hunter Biden story, you know, now, now it's coming out, blowing out in our face, but it was like, they just kind of, you know, they were kind of remind me of Lingam, you know, looks like me, sounds like me, but it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of denial. Okay, Tina, last but not least, what are your thoughts on all these things? It's been quite an interesting discussion. Eh? Yeah. We, we don't really even have script today, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I find it really fascinating. And I think moving forward, I remember in this conversation with a local Sarawakian, He's saying, I think moving forward, you know, really education is key. Mm-hmm. I mean, considering what David said, that yeah, the young they want things done, but they don't want to pay the price, and they don't <laughs> even know what a vote is. I think we start at the very ground level of educating people, mm-hmm. getting the narrative right again. And yeah, I mean, I think the whole point about history is to learn from history and not to dwell on it. Yeah. Yep. Right? Then the local guy was like, yeah, yeah. I think education is key. It's time to educate the young on what to do. How can I play my role more effectively? Yep, yep. And just take that first step. Yeah, having that passion. Yeah. Don't don't be a victim. Yes. <laughs> Learn your history. Yes. Talk to your elders. Yes. Yeah. Self starters. Yeah. All, yeah. all, all, all the Correct. good elements that can cause us to go to a place that yes. we want to be. Yeah. All right. So that's been a very fascinating chat, and so we, we, because time is running out, but I I hope we can come back and, and talk about this because it's, yeah. it's such an interesting topic, and you, you know I know we don't really have a solution, but we, we had to start somewhere. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so until next time. So thank you, David, Lyra, yeah. Tina. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.